Welcome back to Love Murder Current Affairs, our show about the cases of love gone fatally wrong that are in the news right now. So today we begin with an update, not about one of our recent current affairs cases, but about a full length episode we did from 2022 we called A Hollywood Homicide. That episode told the story of Robert Blake and Bonnie Lee Bakley. Robert Blake began his career as a child actor and starred in numerous TV shows and movies before landing his breakout and most famous role as New York City detective Tony Beretta in the series of the same name. The show won him his first Emmy. Interestingly enough, he would also be nominated for an Emmy years later in 1993 for his portrayal of the family annihilator John List in the miniseries Judgment Day, The John List Story. Which we covered in November of 2020. Yes, exactly. Unfortunately, Robert would become even more famous or infamous, I think is the better word, after he was arrested for the 2001 shooting death of his wife, Bonnie Lee. In Love Murder episode 96, we go in depth about Bonnie's incredible story. But to give a few highlights, she started modeling at 16 after dropping out of high school, married her first cousin with whom she had two kids, got married no less than 10 times. That might be a love murder record. Started writing to Marlon Brando's son Christian when he was in jail for murder and dated him when he got out. Started a mail order business sending clients nude photos of women, including herself. I mean, I think we called it in the episode the OG OnlyFans over here. Absolutely. Ran Lonely Hearts ads advertising for male companions who she would later meet and ask for money potentially marry. Ultimately, she made enough money to buy several houses in Tennessee and Los Angeles. She's working hard for the money, you know? Absolutely. In 1999, Bonnie met Robert Blake at a jazz club. They started a romance, and Bonnie gave birth to a girl, Rose, whose paternity tests would prove was Robert's. The couple were married in November of 2000, but the relationship was rocky from the start, with a huge amount of mistrust between the couple. On May 4th, 2001, Robert took Bonnie to dinner at Vitello's in Studio City, Los Angeles. That evening, Bonnie was killed by a gunshot wound to the head in the passenger seat of Blake's car, which was parked around the corner from the restaurant. Blake claimed he was innocent, saying that he had left the car to return to the restaurant and retrieve a gun that he had left there. That gun was later determined not to have been the one that fired the shots that ended Bonnie's life. No strong evidence, blood, DNA, or eyewitness linked Robert to the crime, and after an eight-day deliberation, Robert was found not guilty. However, a civil jury did later find him responsible for Bonnie's death. Throughout his life, Robert maintained his innocence. Last week on Thursday, Robert Blake passed away from heart disease at the age of 89. Oh, my gosh. That was an absolutely wild case. Just doing this quick recap brings back so many memories. So I highly recommend you guys go back and listen if you haven't already heard that episode. Again, it's called A Hollywood Homicide, Robert Blake and Bonnie Lee Bakley, and it came out in April of 2022. With that, Andy, let's turn to our main topic. It is a classic love murder tale of serial cheating turned to unspeakable tragedy. Let's. The two people at the center of our maudlin story are 49-year-old Fiona Beale and 42-year-old Nicholas Billingham. In the fall of 2021, the two had been dating for 17 years, and it hadn't always been the best relationship. 
Nicholas was a builder and a private contractor. Fiona was a teacher. Throughout the course of their long relationship, Nicholas had frequently cheated and left Fiona on a number of different occasions. One of the women he slept with had even become pregnant and given birth to his child. Oh, wow. In spite of all of this, Fiona always seemed to take Nicholas back. But this time, in fall of 2021, something inside Fiona just snapped. In a journal later recovered by investigators, Fiona wrote, Everything changed last year. There's a quote from Thelma and Louise that feels appropriate. Thelma, you be sweet to them, especially your wife. My husband wasn't sweet to me. I suppose I ought to explain what happened to get me to this point. My mental health had been deteriorating. He was effing around again. Whenever he was cheating, he would up the ante on belittling, moaning, and criticizing. Then, she wrote in the journal, things got worse. Okay, here goes, October 2021. He spat on me and threatened me during sex. What? At this point, Fiona started to turn herself over to her alter ego, Tulip 22. Tulip 22 was the name Fiona gave to an alternate persona who, as she wrote, was reckless, fearless, and efficient. Fiona's journal from the faded fall of 2021 continues, I started plotting as Tulip 22 after he'd gone to bed. I could no longer sleep in the bed due to my breathing being too loud, or I moved too much, or I was snoring, or etc., etc., I would have to go downstairs after sex, and even when I was unwell, I got used to sleeping downstairs and waited for him to go to bed and then got high and let Tulip 22 out. I knew I could not let him get away with it. Halloween sealed it. He was vile. In addition to that particularly painful moment that gave her motive, Fiona also started to notice that she had means to commit the crime thanks to the then 10-day isolation period around the coronavirus. The journal tells of how Fiona, or Tulip 22 in her own mind, plotted to lure Nicholas into a situation where she could end him forever. First, she got Nicholas to take a bath, quote, with the incentive of sex afterwards. As he was bathing, she hid a knife in the bedside drawer. When he came to bed, Fiona convinced Nicholas to wear an eye mask as part of a sexual game. The eye mask said on it, this was my morning afterface. At that point, Fiona let her primal rage take over, stabbing Nicholas on the right side of the neck, which severed his jugular vein. Fiona's journal talked about how the next steps were more difficult than expected. It was harder than I thought it would be. Hiding a body was bad. Moving a body is much more difficult than it looks on TV. <sighs> the next morning, Fiona took actions to give herself time to cover up the murder. She told the school that she worked for that she had tested positive for COVID. At the time of Nicholas's death, he was also working on a renovation project with a client. He had met with that client the day of his death, November 1st, for about an hour and a half. The next morning at 7 a.m., that client received a message from Nicholas's number that said, tested positive for COVID, going to be out of action for a while. Fiona spent the next week and a half working to conceal the crime. She wrapped Nicholas's body up in a bed sheet and a duvet circled with cable tires and buried it under a carpet in her garden. She then cleaned the house where the crime had taken place and even painted her bedroom. When her fake COVID isolation period was up, she returned to her school and started perpetuating the story that Nicholas had once again left her for another woman, a story that wasn't hard for those who knew about the troubled relationship to believe. For the next few months, Fiona... <clears throat> 
For the next few months, Fiona kept working as normal, but in February and March of 2022, Fiona started to frequently call out of work claiming she was sick. Getting concerned, the head teacher at the school contacted Fiona's mother only to learn that Fiona had told her mother that she was going away on a school trip. Given that Fiona was lying to both of them and neither knew where she really was, the head teacher reported Fiona missing to the police. Officers traced Fiona to a rental address, but when they contacted her, Fiona said that she was just looking for some peace and quiet and did not want her family to know where she was. However, officers were not sure they quite believed that. And so when she sent her family a message three days later saying, I'm so sorry, I love you all very much, they rushed back to the vacation residence and forced their way in to discover Fiona in the bath having attempted suicide. The wounds on her wrists ended up being superficial, and Fiona was taken to the local hospital and detained as a risk to herself. It was at that vacation lodge that authorities found the journal that detailed how she had plotted to and ultimately killed Nicholas, although it didn't identify him by name. Fiona was arrested, and a search at the vacation lodge would also uncover Nicholas's phone. When they searched Fiona's primary residence, they uncovered the bloody mattress and the duvet in the basement, as well as the, quote, freshly laid bark in the garden. When the garden was dug up, it revealed partially wrapped and partially clothed human remains that were then partly mummified and had to be identified by dental records. It is crazy how long she got away with this. It's insane. Fiona is now on trial for the crime. Her defense attorneys are not trying to dispute that she killed Nicholas Billingham, but instead arguing that his long-term abuse had mentally broken Fiona. Defense attorney Andrew Wheeler opened the trial saying, Miss Beale is 49 years of age. She is a lady of good character, a partner to Nick Billingham for some 17 years, a hardworking and thoroughly liked schoolteacher. In essence, a lady about whom you will hear many good things as you listen to the evidence. How does that person go on to kill? What was the catalyst that led to these tragic circumstances? Her defense attorney went on to say her actions and her thoughts were manipulated. He was, as you will hear, psychologically domineering. And over the years, he wore her down. Over the years, we submit to you, she was worn down until she was quite literally broken. The defense argued that the details of the notebook were, quote, clear evidence of a disturbed mind and that due to all of this, manslaughter is the more appropriate crime. We'll bring you updates in the trial as they come along. Yes, we certainly will. (sighs) Well, one final note before we close this current affairs. A number of people have shared with us the story of a Redmond, Washington-based podcaster who, along with her husband, was shot and killed by a stalker who contacted her after listening to her podcast. So we are still getting a lot of these details that are coming out about this case. And we're trying to wrap our heads around a little bit more before we decide (laughs) if we're going to explore it more on current affairs. But I just wanted to let you guys know that you have been heard and that we are definitely keeping an eye on this case. So thanks, as always, for listening and joining us here today. Until next time, I'm Jesse Prey. And I'm Andy Cassette, signing off for Love Murder Current Affairs.